Hi, this is Cheyenne. And this is Rachel. Welcome to What the Finance. We're so glad you're here. So this week, we are talking about pets, yeah. which kind of seems like it wouldn't necessarily be something that belongs on a finance podcast, but oh boy, does it. It really does. It really does. And I think the reason that it doesn't seem like something that belongs in a finance podcast is 100% the reason that it belongs on a finance podcast. Exactly. Um, yeah. People get pets because they're wonderful to have and they're cute um, and they can be emotionally fulfilling. But the other side of that is that they can also super stress you out if you don't have money mm-hmm. of them properly and you didn't think about the finances of having a pet in your life. Mm-hmm. So Cheyenne, did you have pets growing up? I did. So we had three dogs, four dogs as I was growing up and a couple of cats. And my parents have always had, not always. So we, we went a stretch where we didn't have pets, but then we've had them now for a few years. And then as an adult, I've had a cat and couple of dogs and we are currently planning for our next pup so stay tuned on that (laughs) awesome what about you so I had some small pets growing up I grew up mostly in um like apartments Mm. you know like as a young kid and so um dogs are usually like "Mm -mm." Mm um but I did have some fish a disastrous effect mm. um <laughs> poor fish actually so i have um i know some people who are trying to set up an aquarium right now mm. and are like they they've put time and research into it and it's like it's a really first of all fish are significantly more expensive than i would have ever thought to be honest mm. um and also, they're very finicky. Right. Which I guess makes sense. I mean, but also, like, I, I don't think that I would have, I don't think I would have originally had that, that like, realization had I not known some people who were, like, doing the fish thing. Like hardcore researching into getting fish. Yeah. Hmm. That's fair. It's very fair. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we did also get a cat when I was a kid. Um, because like many children, including mine, as a fact, me and, or I don't want to say me and my siblings, I am actually terrified of dogs. Oh. Um, and I'm more like as a general rule. And then I like dogs on like a case by case basis. If I get, um, (laughs) my siblings all begged for a dog for years and years and years and years and finally my mom said no we're not getting a dog but fine we can get a cat <laughs> um was also not a super positive experience for me as a child mm. um, of course declawing cats is extremely inhumane so my parents didn't do it but our cat really liked my hair mm. more than anybody else's so that didn't go real well for me. And now as an adult, I've also had several pets. Um, most recently a hamster. 
and she is great fun. <laughs> um, although we recently, and we're gonna we'll talk about cots here in a second instead of randomly rambling about our pet histories, but it turns out that those starter cages that you get for rodents, you know, just at like any old pet store, mm-hmm. are actually not big enough for like a standard sized hamster. And so we recently bought what does have enough space for her at a minimum is a 40 gallon aquarium. So that's what she's in now. And we haven't seen her for a while because she's having a great time burrowing in this tank that is, or, you know, in her habitat that is big enough for her. But that makes me happy. Yeah. Our little Blanky is living her best life burrowing away. Good for her. Good for her. So has she stopped trying to escape now? Yeah. That's, oh, perfect. See, I don't think that she, we don't think, have things like stacked tall in the aquarium, so she can't even reach the roof, and that helps. Uh, yeah, that's smart. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's also been a bonus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, makes sense. But yeah, as a cost piece, it turns out that a 40-gallon aquarium and a stand to, to put it on that's you know, sturdy enough for a 40 gallon aquarium full of stuff. It doesn't come cheap. I, yeah, I would believe that. So like I bought ours used off of Facebook. Then the combo was still 150 bucks. Dang. Yeah. But new that set would have been like 500 bucks. So I feel really good about this. I feel good about what I paid, but it still wasn't exactly chump change. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the thing. Like, I think that like, I don't think that people realize how expensive pets are until they are adults and have to pay for one. Right. Cause like we, so we had a cat and he was, I mean, cats are relatively low maintenance. Like that's, that's like one of their, their perks is that they're, they're pretty low maintenance, except that he also like, I mean, he was kind of an expensive little dude. Right. And our dog too, he was, he was pretty, towards the end of their life, their end of life care can get very expensive. Mm-hmm. If they, if they age, that's, they, they get spendy. I mean, it's not it's worth it. It's, it's totally worth it. I, I mean, right. Definitely. People wouldn't, we wouldn't do it if it wasn't, but it's also something to, to make note of and plan for like with our next pet, like we will, we'll set up a sinking fund so that any vet visits are paid for out of that. And then when they don't go, it just kind of, just kind of stacks up, stacks up and we'll use it towards that end of life stuff that just starts to come up because it's, it gets spendy. Right. It really does. And I think even not the end of life stuff, right? Like just bringing your pets into the vet for like their regular mm-hmm. like annual checkups or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not cheap. No. <laughs> no, it's definitely not. And I I know that there are, there are companies that provide pet insurance. I have never done any research into them. So I don't know how worth it that would be. But I should probably do that. I should have probably done that before this episode now that I think of it. But so I did do a little bit ahead of awesome. the episode. Um, I mean, and basically what I gathered is that it's a whole lot like human insurance, you know, like your own regular health insurance. 
Mm -hmm. So if you're familiar with your health insurance or your employer or whatever, you're probably also, we have a reasonably good handle on the nuts and bolts of pet insurance. Now we do have a Pinterest board as we do for many of our episodes um, that has resources for, and one thing that's in there to help our listeners out is just a comparison board of different, um, different types of pet insurance that you can get. That's again, much the same as human health insurance. Um, there's different deductibles and co-pays if you have multiple pets on the same policy, um, similar to like a family plan versus a single plan. Um, <laughs> Who knew? Yeah. So I do appreciate that at least that, um, that the companies out there that are providing health insurance for our pets were at least decent enough to structure it in a way that wasn't completely unfamiliar to the people that are shopping for it. Right. Like, no, you could kind of understand the basic rules behind the whole thing. And then based on the type of pet you have, it can also get to be, that influences the cost of everything, including Mm -hmm. your pet health insurance, right? Like if you have a more exotic pet, like a snake, right? (laughs) Sorry for our listeners, Cheyenne is making a face, her I hate snakes face. (laughs) Yes. I, yeah, I, I will say it every time. Snakes are, they're not pets. They're not, they're, they're not cuddling you. They're, they're trying to decide if they, they can eat you. That's, that's, that's what they're doing. Yeah. They're not, I don't like them. I know my, my 10th grade biology teacher had um, a snake in his classroom. A white oh. snake, her name was Ruby. That was also my favorite class in high school though. So while well, I'm like 90, I'm like 90% with you, but then I've got that 10%. Like, I love the teacher. I love the class. And Ruby was just kind of like part of the package deal. Mm. That's great biology in my high school. So it was a bit of a mix. <laughs> I, you know, you know, there's no percentage of me that likes snakes. I am, I'm genuinely terrified of them. And, and like, I, I would say that it's probably, I think it would qualify as a straight up phobia. How much I dislike them. They're not pleasant. I feel the same way about frogs and toads and stuff too. Birds are that animal for me. Yep. It turns out that many types of birds are the types of pets that people will get as, you know, like little hatchlings because they're adorable. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they grow up a little bit and you realize that this is a terrible pet. Like geese, for example. Mm-hmm goslings are adorable you get like a teenage goose yeah no they'll kill you so yeah and you don't want a pet like that and so then people let them go and then wreck the habitat and give toddler rachel a lifelong phobia <laughs> of waterfowl I, yeah they're i'm not a huge fan of birds either like i like them at a distance they're pretty. Right. But I don't necessarily want them near me. And I feel the same way about spiders. I have, I have a, I have a healthy relationship with spiders. Like I don't want it near my person, but if I come across one, it's not that big of a deal. Like we'll just kind of look at each other, have the conversation of like, okay, that's your space. This is my space. Right. Cool. Mm-hmm. But, but also in the summer, if I find them in my house, I, I let them outside. That's very decent of you. Spiders, not birds. I've yet to find a, well, there was a bat in my apartment one time. <laughs> 
which we also captured and went outside. So, okay, first of all, I shouldn't say we, it was all Bridget. Second of all, I think she just uh, directed it outside. I don't think it was like captured in any way. I think it was shoved outside. Well, I think that's what you're supposed to do, right? Like turn off all the lights in your house, except for- I was mostly focused on staying out of the way so that it didn't get in my hair. A good call. I don't know. I don't know that that's ever actually actually happened to anybody. I think it's just like the fear. One thing that I found when I was preparing for this episode that I thought was super interesting was um, an infographic put together by Experian, which is also pinned on our Pinterest board. It really breaks down like the lifetime costs of what you can expect with different types of pets, but it also talks about. Um, like what types of pets are most common in certain professions and I thought that was kind of cool that was very cool like and this was a divide that I thought personally was super weird so nurses are more likely to have dogs but doctors more likely to have cats so it's not like medical or dog people like it no I didn't I just thought that that was kind of cool um yeah yeah (laughs) What was it for teachers? Does it say? Also dogs. Dogs. That makes sense. Here's a funny thing based on our conversation earlier about fish. People who work in finance are more likely to have them. Hmm. Yeah. Funny. Um, And other low maintenance pets. Yeah, that's... mm. And yeah, just, I don't know. Personally, I really struggle with that characterization of low maintenance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I really do think that it's just a reflection of how much you value the life of that animal. I think sometimes, yeah. I mean, consciously or not, right? Like you might just buy into the narrative mm-hmm. that um, that a fish is low maintenance without realizing that actually they're they're not that low maintenance. Yeah. And so you're not consciously going, oh, I don't value the life of this fish. You're just unconsciously buying into like the social narrative. I feel like this is one of those things that we could we could go into a, a very long conversation about because I also think like there is a difference how much attention a fish requires as opposed to how much attention a dog or a hamster requires you know like so there are those so I do think that like there is that that piece of it I guess sounds very true low maintenance doesn't mean no maintenance true right yeah exactly as we stated at the beginning, we're, we're saying, you know, it's, it's, it wouldn't seem like pets would be a thing that a finance podcast would talk about. However, it does play into, we, we'd already talked about how their care can be very expensive uh, over the lifetime and especially towards the end of their life, but also at the beginning of their lives when they're puppies or kittens, right, they go in a lot. Nuts. Yeah, they, they go in a lot and they grow out of things really quickly. Like they grow out of toys because they're, they're smart. They also have razors inside of their mouths. And so they destroy them very quickly. <laughs> yes. Yes. So plan for that. And much food. Like human children. You might buy yes. a toy that you think is the shit. And then your pet kind of goes, eh, now. I'm going I'm to play with the box instead. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to mentally prepare yourself for that as well. Oh, yeah. But yeah, food. I didn't mean to interrupt and I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's totally, that's totally, totally fine. Cause that was a really good point. The nice thing about 
pets and I don't have experience with children, but pets at least, if they have that reaction right away, if you give it to them like a week later, they'll probably go bananas for it because they're constantly, constantly growing and they constantly need different types of stimulation to keep them engaged. And you can definitely find low cost alternatives to buying like fancy, expensive toys to keep them entertained. I mean, like seriously, boxes will do it if you just change up like how you let them interact with it. I, it's definitely like, it's very, very possible to do it low cost, but it's, I, I wouldn't say that there's any no cost way to entertain them. I think that eventually there's going to be a little bit involved there with when it comes to like the, the brain engagement aspect of things. Cats, dogs are kind of what I'm talking about because those are the two that I have experience with, but they definitely need stuff to keep them busy. Otherwise they get naughty. They get very naughty. Yes, they do. <laughs> Which is great for TikTok. Not so much when it's in your own house. No, definitely not. Yeah. But food is another thing. Uh, just like people and kids, pets have, they have very different tastes and not every puppy is going to like every food. And just because they liked it four hours ago doesn't mean they're going to like it at their next meal. They may have already changed their taste by then. So be prepared for that and mm -hmm. be prepared to uh to donate some food to your family members or friends that have animals. And if you don't have any of those, donate it to the shelter because you will definitely come across stuff that your animals like, nah, I'm not eating that. Much like people, they need to eat every day unless you have, you know, some sort of reptile or amphibian. And I am under the impression that that's not necessarily the case, but I don't know for sure. But making sure that you're budgeting. A few months. Yeah. Those, but still food. Um, yeah. But I would say much like people, sometimes your pets need to eat something that is going to be good for them, but they're not going to like it. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's an extra challenge mm -hmm. as well <laughs> when it comes to food. It's just making sure that they're, that they're getting the nutrition that they need, even if you have to use some coercion techniques to get them mm -hmm. <laughs> to eat the food. Definitely. And this is... I have found Pinterest to be an incredibly useful tool when it comes to finding creative ways to get puppies specifically to, to get enough food in them for the, because puppies need a lot of calories. They're burning a lot of calories because they're growing a body and that takes a ton of energy. So they need a lot of calories, mm -hmm. which is, this is a whole other tangent of mine, but I feel like society has this expectation that children and, and puppies and kittens should only eat like, you know, a couple times a day. Like that's, no, <laughs> they, they eat a lot because they're burning a lot of calories, but you also have to make sure that what you're giving them is, is sustaining that. So mm -hmm. just planning accordingly and making sure that you put in the research so that you know how much your, your animal needs to eat. Right. And I, I would guess that much I haven't really had this, like this type of pet as an adult, but I would guess that much like human children, uh, they also have very small stomachs. Mm -hmm. So you might feel like they're eating a lot or they're eating all the time. But if you've got a small stomach, well, then you have the fully grown person and the life of that being is going to feel like they're eating a ton when really right. they eat like one or two mouthfuls and then they are packed full right. for like an hour and then they're starving again. Right. And, and something with, um, is that they, because they are that they are animals, 
they don't always recognize that they're full because their their instinct is to eat food when it's available. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to you have to regulate that for them, and that can be it can be hard to remember, especially when they're little. Yes, but you know, there we went on. I told you it was going to be a tangent, but <laughs> just making sure that you are planning for the amount of food that they're going to eat at the beginning of their lives because it is pretty significant. It gets and it gets better as they get older because it's more easy it's easier to plan for consistently how much they're going to eat when they when you first get them it's hard because you don't know you just learn as you go but once you figure it out and you get into a good routine that's that's much easier but just making sure to have something budgeted and then once you figure it out go from there Mm -hmm. and also please don't make your pet be a vegetarian yeah no might be a part we want we might might want to cut out but oh man sorry it just kind of came up in my world again semi-recently on I think it was like TikTok or something like that and I was like don't do that don't don't do that no or people who like make their cats be vegan right you are an idiot you are an idiot (laughs) you're you're killing your cat is what you're doing (laughs) yeah yeah definitely probably gonna want to take that part out (laughs) yeah for sure for sure (laughs) (laughs) oh um so one other like a little tangent that I wanted to go on that um is a planned one is actually talking about pets and homelessness you know we've just spent a bunch of time talking about um how if you're going to get a pet you should plan for it and you should have a plan for how you're going to pay for your pet and care for your pet uh but homelessness is a thing that that happens mm-hmm. in the United States it happens to a lot of people um because we don't have really any good social safety nets to keep people from getting kicked out of their homes if they fall on hard times. I don't know, in my world, I've seen a lot of judging of homeless folks who have, you know, who are living on the street and have dogs. And I just want to say, don't be that person. Mm-hmm. It just makes you a dick. But also, in a situation that can be extremely isolating and dangerous because people are jerks, mm-hmm. having a, a pet like a dog when you're homeless can make things seem a little bit more normal and remind you maybe what you want to work back towards mm-hmm. um, and also help to keep you safe. Yep. So if you, rather than judging, if you want to help those folks and their pets, there are organizations that do exactly that. And many of them are nonprofits and we have those pinned um, mm-hmm. on our, it, the board itself is actually called the natural world because we have another wildlife episode coming up. Um <laughs> that we're really excited about um and it made sense to me to lump them together um but so those organizations that are nonprofits, if you choose to donate to them to help that group of people that donation is tax deductible so that's a good thing for you to think about if you want to help folks who have pets whose plans fell through that's a good thing for you to do yeah I think those were, those are all really, really great points to mention, but yeah, definitely. If you are at a place where you don't have the the time to commit to having a pet, that might be a, a really good option or volunteering at a local shelter. Mm-hmm. I don't think that there is ever an op- or an instance in which shelters are not looking for volunteers. They're pretty, pretty much willing, I think, to accept any help that they are they can get uh if you if you don't have the time to commit to that much like not having the time to commit to having a pet but you want to help ask 
your local shelter what supplies they need. Oftentimes they do have lists that either go out on social media accounts or just to local stores where you can buy supplies that they need and donate it, donate that towards or directly to them. I know ours where I'm at to do that. I would assume that that's a pretty universal thing. I've seen that as well. We do live in the state, same state, but we do. 200 miles apart from each other. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think just my own thoughts wrapping up. If you're thinking about getting a pet, do your research, make a plan, both a financial plan, but also kind of just a personal life plan. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Like, do you actually, if you want to get a dog, do you actually have the time and the energy and the 24 hours that are allocated to you to give that dog adequate attention? And then if you don't, right, if you're falling short in one of those things, don't just decide it's going to be fine and get the pet anyway. Um, you can donate to a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. You can donate your time. Um, you know, to like a local humane society or some other shelter that in your community, so that when you do actually get a pet, the pet is enriching your life, but you are also enriching that pet's life. Yep, absolutely. I agree. My ending thoughts, one thing that we, we didn't mention and I had forgot to write down before, not only when we, you know, we talked about a lot of, a lot of things that you may not think of that come with the cost of, of having a pet specifically dogs training making sure that you're planning for the cost of training it's an expensive piece but it's very necessary for both your your sanity and your pets yes (laughs) training is so great and there are so many options I know that there are online options especially this year we've seen a lot of trainers come out with online uh training of it availability Mm-hmm. but making sure that you have some sort of plan in place for that because it's it makes everybody's life so much better and making sure that you have the time and the money to put into that is is super important it really is thank you for listening to this episode of what the finance you can subscribe everywhere you get your podcast so you never miss an episode you can also email us at what underscore the underscore finance at protonmail.com visit us on facebook at What the Finance, follow us on Instagram at What the Finance, check us out on Pinterest at What the Finance, or tweet us at finance underscore what.